totally not Mark and fair use law. For those not aware of Mark's content, he makes a lot of stuff surrounding anime, can often be reviews, but sometimes will be story summaries along with reviews. For those unaware, this dude, Mark, got like 150 copyright strikes or copyright content ID claim things from uh, Toei Animations, which is a Japanese company. And people are like, oh man, fucking YouTube's terrible. The only thing that YouTube did wrong was not having a system to allow for the dude to uh, dispute every single one of the claims at once. That's it. YouTube can do nothing else. YouTube is an American company and Japan, they have different laws around fair use and copyright. And YouTube can't step in and be like, no Japanese company, fuck you. You will abide by American law. I don't care about your country. They can't do that. What, what do you want them to do? And again, to what extent any of, cause I watch Mark, to what extent his videos do act as a market replacement for the original? It's debatable. Quick summary of the 1969 American Fair Use Laws. You can use small portions of copyrighted work so long as you can justify that everything you've used is necessary for what you've created and what you've created doesn't replace the function of the original on the market. The best example being H3H3 taking small parts of a pickup artist video designed to give pickup tips to those who wanted to pick up women to create a comedy video designed to make people laugh for those who want something to laugh at. Small portions, different audience, different purpose, therefore certainly fair use. For example, I specifically thought when he started to review Hunter Hunter, I was like, oh, I haven't seen Hunter and Hunter in quite a while. Yeah, it'd be nice to listen to him go over the story again. Like I might have gone and watched Hunter Hunter again, but because he made his videos, I, and I just listened to him talk about it. And that was enough for me, but I'm a weird dude. In general, we consider it to be a dick move when companies do this because they are experiencing value from Mark's content because he is driving them towards the uh, official release. But, there would be cases where his videos would be a market replacement for the originals because he's telling the story. YouTube allows things like music videos to be blocked in certain countries. Why can't YouTube just allow Mark to disable his videos in Japan? Because Toei Animation owns the copyright for the content globally, not just in Japan. I mean, if it was disabled in Japan, there'd be a possibility of Toei Animation's not finding out about Mark's, Mark's content, but, uh, YouTube specifically working in a way to allow content creators to hide content violating laws in other countries is probably something they don't want to do. So story recaps aren't okay to you. To, whether they're okay to me is a separate question. And for me, it, it depends. I'd, that's a hard one. Because imagine, for example, you spend three years of your life writing an amazing story and a YouTuber comes out and says, okay, so in chapter one, here's what happens. Chapter two, chapter three, and he just beat for beat tells the entire story to the internet. How could that not be considered a market replacement for my book? How could it not? What about those videos that basically summarize a book that at least in my opinion, are mostly watched by people who have either read the book or people that have to read it in school and don't want to? In reality, if you're taking a book and sum summarizing it beat for beat and adding nothing else, you're just making the book but shorter in a different format. I don't think that's justifiable. Summarizing a book can't give all of its content, but it can make the original redundant. One of the things that you read a book for is to find out what happens. And if you already know what happens, a significant amount of people won't bother reading that book. I, on more than one occasion, have read a wiki rather than watching something, but I'm weird. So for example, let's take um, cutscene movies. Cutscene movies, I think you'd be very hard pressed to defend in a court of law. 
you're just subtracting a particular thing from a game. You aren't transforming it, you're just taking one aspect of something and putting it somewhere else. If you like literally played the entire game from start to finish and put it all on your YouTube channel, I, I think it's entirely possible that given how fair use works currently, that a, a company could say, this isn't on. In general, they just don't because they receive more benefit than that from that than not, you know? They'd be like, look, there's no re there's less of a reason now for people to play the game because this video exists. I'd go one step further and say that I'd be surprised if any gameplay of a video game on YouTube would actually stand up to fair use law if challenged in courts. It's important here to note that I don't necessarily agree that fair use law allows for all the things that I think would be justifiable or good for society. What I consider moral is not necessarily enshrined in a law that was written in 1976 in America. The best example we've ever received is from, um, from the H3H3 situation. For those who don't know the story, H3H3 made a video uh, reaction to a guy who, was, who made a video about picking up women, giving tips for picking up women. The judge, um, when this eventually went to court, said that while this isn't a ruling on all React content, the H3H3 video was the perfect example of fair use. And here's why. So the original guy made a video. And, and the purpose of this video was to make pickup tips. And the audience for this was people who want pickup tips. So like this, bang, bang, bang. And what H3H3 did is they took this chunk here, this chunk here, this chunk here, and they made something wholly different using these uh, small clumps as a part of what they made. And they made comedy targeting people who wanted comedy. And so the judge was like, your pickup tips are still here. The, these people who want pickup tips can't watch H3H3's video and get what they would get from your video. This, this is different from this and it was made for a different purpose and it targets an entirely different audience. You can't recreate this using this and therefore this is perfectly fair use. And so when you talk about summaries and whatnot, technically that is only a portion of the original. However, It'd be like creating this, but specifically targeting these same people. Because the summary of a story likely appeals to the same audience that would read that story in the first place and could be a substitution for it. And that's why it's hard, because it is distinct. Is it made for the same purpose? I mean, it is made for the purpose of telling a story, even if a simplified one. A summary isn't going to have the emotions of the show or the action. Really. Yeah, so it is only portions of it, but just only using portions isn't entirely what defines fair use. To put it another way, it's often said, even if you're only using small portions, if you are using the heart or the core of the original work, it's less likely to be considered fair use. My first experience learning everyone didn't support democracy. The person I referenced in the next section was a Hong Kong resident. I remember when Amaz made a statement that I was just so surprised at. This is during the protests in Hong Kong revolving around, um, because Hong Kong is meant to be, like, a part of China, but, like, separated from it, in a way. But China continues to degrade the freedoms and democracies of Hong Kong. And there were student protests and stuff that wanted, wanted democracy, and they didn't like the idea that they could, they could only pick from, like, three candidates that were chosen effectively by China or whatever. And I remember Maz commenting on this and being like, democracies are overrated. Like, he just, he just wished that these people would stop causing a fuss, and so everything could uh, go back to normal. And I was just like, huh, that's, uh, that's interesting. The continued consolidation of corporations. 
This commentary occurred around the time that Amazon workers were striking. People are too disconnected from the workers, right? Back when you'd go into a store and you'd see the people, maybe you could care about them a little bit or like they're, they're, they're human, you know? But you're buying stuff on an online website, you've never seen the people. You know they're there in the same way that you know that your burger that you eat at McDonald's came from an animal that you'd like look at a fair and like pat it on the head. You know, but you're so disconnected from it, it doesn't seem real. So such strikes, unless they like really upset how the store works and functions, it, it, it's not gonna, it's not gonna have much of an impact. I'm sure there's tons of places as well that uh, wouldn't want to report on a strike with Amazon, right? Because Amazon probably pays their bills to some extent, right? Because Amazon has its hands in everything. As has been the trend over time, more and more companies just merging together or singular companies having a presence in like a thousand markets through a bunch of different brands. And uh, the trend is probably going to continue. Because there's a lot of people out there with uh, a fear of government, but they have no real fear of uh, private corporations. I don't think they're evil. They're just companies. And companies make profit. That's why they exist. Businesses don't exist to, you know, make jobs. They, they don't exist to benefit society. They exist to make profit. I suppose non-profit businesses can do those things. Like the, the creation of jobs and societal benefit is a byproduct of the desire to make profit. If a company was no longer profitable, but made jobs and, uh, and, and had societal benefit, it would just be closed down unless it was a public enterprise. Government owned, government funded. Because there are public services that lose money, but are so beneficial to society that they're kept running. Because that's, that's one thing that government can do that uh, private corporations have a greater trouble doing. Someone is going to kill Amazon? Not a chance. Economies of scale. No one can enter the market anymore. Once you're the size of Amazon, you can just produce things and do things at, at, such, a, at such a reduced cost compared to someone just entering that, that you just fucks. The only way you can compete with Amazon is like on the fringes, like in a particular local, t like... In, in a particular town, you can offer your service faster and with a greater attention to detail and quality than Amazon ever can because of how, how large they are. It's like the bigger you get, the more you, by necessity, can't focus on the tiny things. Amazon will end like Rome, become too big, break into parts and get completely shattered. I mean, are you sure? Look at how many anti-regulation, anti-government kind of people exist today, right? It, does, it doesn't matter how much you say, look, this, this is for the public good. They're going to be like, this is government overreach, regulations. So what if a single company owns like 95% of the fucking market? Who cares? This, this is bad for everyone, but we don't want big government. If there's one company that doesn't appear to ever be getting comfortable, it's Amazon. They're just bashing into any market they can, they can conceive of. They're, they've got a whiteboard with like just a bunch of random words and they're like robotic toys fire okay let's get into this market people a successful small company these days is a company that develops some good ip and gets bought by a large company because like hey guys you look very good we, we like what you're doing here 
You can you can either compete with us, Amazon worth ver 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 hundred billion blah 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 dollars, more, way more than that of course, or we can just give you a hundred million dollars right now, no questions asked, just give us your IP, and it's like, I'll take the hundred million, sure. It's it's prudent to remember that the brands that we see are not necessarily in themselves separate and unique. It's often the case where like fifty companies all exist, not fifty, but a, a significant like. You know, dozens of companies all exist under one kind of conglomerate, would be maybe the better word. Toys R Us wasn't beaten by another toy company. It, like like a, a new startup kind of toy company. It, it got beaten by a, a new technology. We're, we're, we're in a different world, right? You know, the, 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 the tech bubble and stuff and all these tech companies starting and the fallout from that and those who survived, the, those companies rule the world. I mean, yes, si similar to Blockbuster or um, Kodak. The digital revolution caught some people by surprise, and they didn't adapt. But I don't think there's going to be, like, I'm sure people didn't think the digital rev revolution was going to be a thing. But I don't think there's going to be another digital revolution when it comes to disrupting the old companies or the old industries, you know. There will be changes and th things that businesses will need to adapt to. But the size of companies these days just seems so, so monumentally bigger than the past. I guess largely because singular companies can exist uh, more readily in the global market, you know, on many, many different countries. Yeah, that's a good point. AI has that possibility, or just increased automation has that possibility. Could totally lead to massive changes and shifts in society. Who are the companies researching AI and uh, automation and stuff? Google, Amazon, like the, the already big companies. Like there isn't, there isn't going to be a small guy, like, like you know, in the, the, the dot, com, dot com era, where it's like the small players, kind of small startups actually got somewhere and did something. There's not going to be small startups inventing AI, you know, like if you want to compete with Facebook, Facebook has, you know, many, many years of user data that any new social media outlet will not have. And how do you compete? Even more, once you have the users, any new startup kind of social media platform doesn't have any users on it. So why would anyone use it? It's very hard to migrate people to a new platform unless it offers a, a unique service. But even then, like, oh, Instagram. Wait, that was bought by Facebook. <laughs> like, you know, Instagram offers something new and was then bought by Facebook. Finding mutual value in friendships and the need for shared interests. If my friends never ask me if I want to hang out, and I'm the one who always has to ask them if they, they want to hang out, does that mean it's time to ditch them and find new homies? That's ultimately up to you. Some people just don't like organizing stuff. Like certainly, you're putting in more effort than you might in other situations, but maybe you should talk to your friends and tell, you, tell, tell them how you feel. I don't know. I'm not good with people, man, I'm not. I stopped organizing stuff. Like once upon a time, I would organize stuff all the time. And then I organized this archery thing and, and, and a lot of people said they go. And then like at the last minute, 75% of them bailed. And I was like, fuck these people. I sucked at making friends. So I kept a lot of friends who in hindsight, I recognized I, were just complete assholes. As a kid, as a teenager, you shouldn't have to like be constantly thinking about like being excluded or, uh, or being mocked for something. You should be able to trust your friends, right? I never had that fucking feeling. Well, maybe with like one or two people, right? But like the group of people that I knew, the majority, like, no. And you can't, I can't even say like it's just entirely their fault. Like I wasn't a good friend a lot of the time. 
But it's only when I, I was younger I was. I would always organize shit. And and we'd do stuff. As I grow, got older, I, I realized it was just it was just stressful. Not everyone would go. And as we grew older, I, I had differing interests. And, and I was constantly disregarding my own interests for other people's benefit. I, I wish I had just met some people who who have a like mind to myself. S similar to what I've done now, I guess, with, with Twitch, you know? Because that's the thing about Twitch, right? You don't set out to make your, your own, like, bubble. Because certainly I don't have a bubble, right? Because, like, anyone can join at any time. But eventually, over time, your viewers are going to tend to be people who agree with you on at least the topics that you speak about, you know? Or don't disagree with you on, like, everything, you know? Because most people don't hang around with people or, or like watch people that they passionately disagree with on every level. They just get irritated and aggravated and then they leave. Young people should just be put into groups of pre-selected friends to make it easier for them to socialize. We should name that kindergarten or school. I was, I was just, I was reading that and I was like, wait a second, but we do that already. But I mean, eventually in any school, you know, like, People get their own groups and then they tend to stick to those groups, you know? I've always wondered what kind of person I would have been had I gone to a different school. Because 75% of the people who went to my school went to my primary school. My school was just finishing being built, so there was only grade 7 and 8. I was grade 7. So I didn't need to force myself to make new friends. I, I could just stick with the same friends that I had for v v v a billion years. As weird as it is, if you have friends where you can't talk about politics without having arguments and you like politics you just need to find friends that you agree with or the, you have to agree with them just that you can have civil discussions about politics you know and um, which is a hard thing to find as as a person who who never really had anyone to talk about politics with and the friends that i had from way back I, they never really knew much about politics and their positions or the the opinions that they hold held were not very thought out. It just wasn't something I could really talk about the people, talk to the people that I knew about, you know. I didn't lose my friends because of politics. I lost my friends because, you know, we didn't share many interests. And just over time, we, we grew apart because they knew I wasn't particularly interested. I wouldn't make the effort to go places. I think I lost a tire. I'm dealing with losing with friends because of growing apart. I can relate to losing friends. I can relate to having no friends, to feeling alone. I, I can relate to a lot of a, a lot of things on the bad spect spectrum of friendship, right? I can relate to being a bad friend to other people. But my circumstances are different because I have you guys, you know? Because I, I don't feel alone. I've never been the kind of person who's like every day being like, oh man, I wish I was out hanging with people. I, want, I wish I was going to the movies. I wish I was going blah, blah, blah. Or what parts of my life where that occurred like it was i wanted to go out but i didn't want to go out right like I, I wanted the feeling of being with other people but not the effort of like going out and stuff like you know and twitch gives me that you know i i, I feel connected to people but at the same time i'm not going places i don't want to go uh, that i don't want to go i'm not having conversations i don't want to have um th there's no pointless small talk with like 50 different people talking about the weather you know when a YouTuber needs to make a video longer. I clicked on this video recently. This tiny software destroyed the WoW economy or something. I was like, that seems kind of interesting. So once upon a time in World of Warcraft, one gold was worth $10. It, like a, a, a single gold was worth a lot. Like, you know, it was hard to get a single gold piece. Like, like a mount, you know, mount thing would cost you 40 gold. And that would take ages to farm up. 
and then uh, this botting program was released. It was easy to use and hard to detect, and so it, it, it flooded the game with gold, and uh, that changed to one gold being worth one dollar. But the video that explained this idea was like seven minutes long, and I swear to you, there was maybe 20 words in the entire video, but they were repeated ad nauseum, like just over and over and over again. And so that's how the WoW economy was destroyed. Destroyed so much that it it made it so gold was only worth a dollar. And that's why, guys, the WoW economy was not in a great shape, because WoW gold was worth only a dollar. And that's how it was destroyed, because after, after WoW gold was only worth a dollar, the, the, the economy couldn't really survive with, with a bean like that, because it's effectively destroyed, is what I'm trying to say. Um, after this, this bot thing was released. And that's, that's just how it went on. For like, seven minutes. It was terrible. Paying someone to sleep for me. What I really want is someone to be able to sleep for me. I continue to move around, but someone else is sleeping, and that somehow re-energizes re me. We'll have a system where, like, I'll pay a person a certain amount of money, and that person will sleep, and, and, and that counts for me. What a weird world that would be. What do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a sleeper. Oh, very good. Very good. Well, your rates are, you know, 10 bucks an hour. Sleep 16 hours a day. Eight hours for me, eight hours for someone else, and I get eight hours to myself. Be sure to like the video and subscribe to my channel. It costs you nothing, and I wish you all the best.